Excellent. Today's Feast Day Saints and Carol Cusack is here to tell us all about them. Hello, Carol. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. St Osmond, he doesn't sound like the most exciting bloke in the world. In fact, I was thinking he could be the patron saint of bureaucrats. Well, he had a reasonably interesting life. Um, Bishop of Old Sarum during the, the period immediately after the Norman Conquest. Um, there's, I don't know if, if, if you've ever been there, but it's a fascinating site because, as you probably know, the Cathedral of Salisbury was, was moved a couple of centuries later in the 13th century from the old Sarum hilltop down to the site where the current cathedral is. So, in a way, Osmond's achievements have kind of been demolished because his cathedral now stands as a set of footings on a site about 18 inches above the ground and the stone was all quarry, um, reused to build the, the current Salisbury Cathedral. But he was pretty successful. To be one of William the Conqueror's archbishops wasn't such a bad job. Yeah, successful, just a, you know, a man of... I kept reading, oh, he's a man of moderation. I was like, yeah, 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 man of moderation. What's his story? What, what was, uh, how did he come to England? Well, William the Conqueror was a fairly systematic chap and when he actually came over to England in 1066 he didn't only bring an army and all that sort of stuff he had a real program for you know subjugating England bringing it into line so that his rule would be rock solid essentially and so that involved a whole lot of stuff it involved the creation of the notion of crown land before William came over, all the nobles owned their estates. When William came over, he said, oh, no, actually, the crown owns all your land. You can rent it from me. And the nobles said, well, gee, great, you know, you really do us a favour. The other thing that he did was he sacked most of the bishops and archbishops that were in England, and he put his own Norman nominees in. Now, this is partly because William was very, very, very close with the papacy, and, in fact, he'd had papal permission to invade England. I don't, don't know if you knew that. Really no, nice. I didn't. Dear Fa Holy Father, I would like to invade England. <laughs> yeah, and, go ahead. <laughs> well, that had to be done because um, war against pagans or infidels, Muslims, was okay. But war against between Christian and Christian, you had to sort of get ecclesiastical permission. I wonder what the payoff for the Vatican was, but anyway. <laughs> I think it was quite a lot, actually. Um, what he did with the, the bishops and the archbishops was he totally reorganised the ecclesiastical administration. He had a bishop called Lanfranc, who was his offsider, who helped him with this. And so, one by one, all the Anglo-Saxon archbishops were told that they were either too lazy, or they had concubines, or they'd done something wicked, or whatever it was. And so, Osmond was one of the fellows who was part of the rapid promotion system from the clergy over in uh, the continent, and then given sort of honours in England. He was actually uh, well-born, though, and it's another thing about William. William was uh, quite uh, a patron, I suppose, of promising young noblemen, and you probably know that in all noble families, if they had a lot of sons, not every son could have the property, so the old line of one going into the army and one going to the church. Well, Osmond was the son of Henry, the Count of Sears, and he was the son who went into the church there wasn't enough property for him. So in, in a way, he was born to mm. good things, to significant things. Now, he was associated with the Doomsday Book, wasn't he? Well, again, it's a little bit disputed exactly how much of a hand he had into, in it. But that was a very major undertaking. I mean, it really was equivalent to undertaking a census nowadays. And the bureaucrats who helped William do it, that's a fairly significant job. And I would have said that when you said Osmond was, you know, patron saint of bureaucrats, maybe ministers of parliament in a way because the clergy used to perform that kind of role for for the king he was certainly present at the council of sarum which was the place where william was presented 
with the final version of the Doomsday Book. This is what we have found. Uh, whether that implies that he was one of the contributors, it's, it's a little bit difficult to tell. Yes, but Carol, why is he a saint? Well, he's a saint because they persisted for 228 <laughs> years they? to uh, get him archbishops. <laughs> we can't have an archbishop from a few hundred years ago that isn't a saint. Well, I don't know about that, but Gregory the Ninth in 1228, he said, well, we'll consider this fellow. And then, of course, in 1456, 228 years later, he finally made the grade. What were they waiting for? A couple of miracles, obviously. I think miracles, yes. Yes. I mean, I can't imagine that a lot of people prayed to Osmond, you know. No, no, I, I doubt that he would have <laughs> captured the popular imagination. You're, qu you're quite right. Now, we know that it was the longest and most expensive um, sainthood making... Canonisation. Uh, ...in medieval England. We know it cost £731. Which is an absolutely astounding sum of money <laughs> for the 13th to the 15th century. So no wonder he was the last English saint for more, more than 450 years. Perhaps the, uh, the clergy said... No way. Oh, not the clergy, rather. The congregation said, no way, no more saints, it's too expensive. You know, that is a very good joke, but I must disabuse you. He was the last saint for 400 years because of the Reformation. Oh. <laughs> the Protestants stopped making saints. Well, very different to the other feast day saint today. You couldn't get more different, really, than St Barbara. I mean, Osmond, there's no disputing, you know, his who he was and when he was around and what he did and that he was a bit boring, although Carol doesn't think so. Barbara's story is completely different, isn't it? Oh, look, it would make a great opera plot. The only problem is she didn't exist. Well, let's get to that in a minute. What is the story? She was one of those virtuous Christian virgins, as there were so many in the late Roman period for some reason, in the fourth century, and she longed to become a hermit. Interestingly, a hermit in a bathhouse. I'm not actually sure why that was. Uh, I could think of more, uh, shall we say, uh, less luxurious places to be a hermit <laughs> yeah. uh, But her father, a, a pagan, all the best virtuous Christian virgins had pagan fathers, wasn't at all keen on this idea. And uh, he nearly killed her when he discovered... Well, he tried to kill her. Yes, when he discovered she'd become Christian. And then he was struck by lightning and died, punished by God. Oh. I've got a slightly longer version. You've got <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, she was this virgin martyr, and uh, she was so spunky, her dad locked her up in a tower, and she became Christian and had these plans for the bathhouse business. And uh, when her dad became, you know, very irate that she'd become a Christian, he tried to kill her, but she was magically moved out of his reach. So he dobbed her in, I'm not sure to whom, but he dobbed her in. She was tortured. She wouldn't give up her religion. He was ordered to put her to death, and which he did, and then he was struck by lightning and he carved it. Well, the interesting thing is that the um, version I have says that she was put to death under the order of Emperor Maximian, but yes, roughly. But it's still, it's a good story. You see why I say it would be an opera plot, you know, the villainous father, It'd the be great desire for a religion, plot. the beautiful young woman. St Barbara instead of Major Barbara. Yes, some wonderful arias I, I could see, and and the evil Emperor Maximian as a... As a um, as a character, and the bathhouse set, a little bit like, I don't know how many people saw the beautiful Australian opera production of Julius Caesar with Cleopatra in her bath, you know, I, I could see it, it would work. But, of course, the most important thing is what is St Barbara patron of? She's the patron saint of people struck by lightning and dying, like her father, which is very cute, and the patron saint of gunners and miners as a result of this kind of incredible, I suppose, explosive qualities of... of uh, bombs, mining, etc, etc. Explosives, generally. But unfortunately for gunners and miners and people struck by lightning, 
She's no longer a saint. No, 1969, the Vatican decided that she was really quite unsupported by history and and uh, that they really had to get rid of her. But unfortunately, she's a saint that we in the late 20th century need because she, her symbol is the tower yes. and we have skyscrapers. <laughs> I mean, she's a logical patron. But uh, at least we know what she looks like. Oh, Jan van Eyck's <laughs> beautiful painting of her. Is that what you're thinking yes. of? The painting that's in the Royal Museum in Antwerp. Yeah, mm. it's fabulous. It's it's exquisite. She's she just became very popular at one stage, didn't she? Even though there's really no evidence at all at all for her existence. Well, the thing is that um, we talked earlier on about Saint Catherine of Alexandria, who's in very much the same kind of category. Um, these late antique, pious Christian virgins with violent pagan fathers are a, a very popular group of saints for some reason and I don't know whether that I, I mean this is a bit speculative I'd say that their cults were principally popular with women who felt themselves to be oppressed especially by the male members of their families well I'm sure you won't be surprised to learn someone's rung us and said in Greece she is actually the patron saint of war which makes a, a lot of sense and in Greece they still celebrate her feast day today well the Greeks are orthodox, remember. She's a big deal there, says the caller. Well, I have no problem with that either. I think she should be probably still a big deal. What does it matter whether a saint is uh, historically verifiable or not? Surely the story illustrates principles that are supposed to be enlightening. Or lightning, enlightening. Lightning! <laughs> <laughs> and with that gorgeous pun, thank you very much, Carol. In fact, this is our last chat for 96. Yes, because you're going over to the cricket. Um, well, we're here next week, but you're not. And no. then, um, yeah, Sounds of Summer will replace us for a few weeks. Well, what I must say is congratulations to whoever wins the Make Up a Saint competition. Have you made up a saint? I tried very hard. <laughs> uh, I did think of St David Jones, patron saint of Christmas shopping, uh -huh, but that's yes. very boring, really. Oh, I'm sure that you can come up with something better than Carol. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. Okay. See you next year. See you. Bye-bye. Carol Cusack there is a history lecturer at Sydney Uni now. Patron saint. Can you come up with one? Invent your own patron saint and you can send it to me here at 2BL GPO Box 999 for Sydney 2001.